Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This podcast contains discussions of child abuse, sexual repression and sexual abuse, suicide, racism, misogyny, PTSD and PTSD symptoms, and spiritual oppression and abuse, including guilt, shame, and fear. In most episodes, we will be mentioning some of these concepts in a general way without any graphic detail. If any of these topics or other triggering topics will be mentioned in great detail, we will let you know at the beginning of each individual episode, as well as in the show notes for that episode. Right. Ugh, let me see. Okay. Welcome back to the Leaving Eden podcast. Sadie, Sadie, Sadie is here with me. My name is Gabrielle. I'm here with my BFF and co-host, Sadie Carpenter. All right, Sadie, what are we talking about today? So today is part two of our discussion of the Duggar in-laws. And today we have some wild things to cover, including, let's see, having a job being your main personality trait. Thumbs up in extremely inappropriate situations, cyberbullying, Handmaid's Tale vibes, and Walmart bathroom pregnancy tests. Walmart bathroom pregnancy test. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What was that? I'm feeling upbeat. I'm feeling in a good mood this morning. Um, So you're over your hangover from the last episode is what you're telling us. Yes. Um, I okay. just had jury duty yesterday and then they sent me home at noon because I guess they didn't need me. So that's cool. Uh, anyway, uh, before we, I, I, I'm not going to waste any of your time with any of this bullshit. 
We're just going to get right into the episode. But before we get right into the episode, I just need to say that the Leaving Eden podcast is a fully independent podcast. We are the show about my BFF and co-host Sadie Carpenter's life in and escape from the independent fundamental Baptist cult, the cult in which she was raised. We talk about this cult. We talk about other cults. Uh, we talk about the real and present threat that cults and cult-like ideologies pose to society as a whole. And it is our goal to promote freedom of mind, freedom of thought, and freedom of religion. So if you like our show, if you are a fan of our show, there are some things that you can do to support us. You can join our Patreon uh, where we have bonus content. That's right. We have extended and uncensored versions of most of our podcast episodes. So if you just can't get enough of us, join the Patreon and there's more of us. Uh, You can join our Facebook group. A lot of interesting discussion in our facebook group <laughs> it is called a uh, facebook.com slash groups slash eden exodus you can join our subreddit which is reddit.com slash r slash eden exodus and those are both great places where you can discuss our show and the content on our show with other fans of the show sadie do we have anything else that we need to promote or talk about um, I don't. I don't think so. Nothing comes to mind. We, of course, have to thank our Faith Promise Missions patrons, but I think that's it. Yes, uh, our Faith Promise Missions tier patrons are all of the patrons. They go the extra mile and they really do support us, don't they? And we are going to name them all here and thank them here. I'm going to pronounce your name properly this time. Andrew Rocant. He sent us a message. It's Andrew Rocant. Brittany uh, it's Brittany, bitch. We have Carrie R. We have Crystal Patterson, uh, Dee Dee Keppel, Eleanor Donahue, Emery Fairlosser, Hope Norum, Jessica Tambo, Kater Wee, Catherine Schneider, Kathleen Moncrief, Kristen Marie, Linda Morgan, uh, Mary Martin, a.k.a. Peter Pan, <laughs> Rachel Bernadowitz, Rebecca Hoyt, Sadie's actual BFF, Morgan. And we were saying this before, BFF is a tier. It's not like exclusive. So uh, we're, we're all good there. Uh, Sarah Reese, Shane Horton, and Wes the Cowboy. Thank you so much to all of our all of our patrons who support <laughs> our show, but especially to the Faith Promise Missions tier patrons who uh, keep the lights on keep us going around here yeah that's actually true uh also i want to say thank you to whoever signed us up for what what is it bible minute oh gosh whoever's yeah, please don't sign signed- the podcast up for spam email it's very easy to delete and unsubscribe from things but um there's kind of a lot going on in my life right now yeah, somebody signed us up for Bible Minute. Like we got it. Said, hey, thank you, Leaving Eden Podcast. <laughs> somebody signed us up for a lot of things. Um, Aflac Insurance, Princess Cruise Line, several things. Please don't do that. <laughs> They're just vindictive. They don't like us. <laughs> That's how we know we're getting to them. Like yes, like yes, this is this is funny. Um, but also, I just I do not want to deal with this right now. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Oh, yes. One more thing. Send us your missions, trips, stories. We've been getting a lot of emails from people, from listeners to the show who have been sending us stories about mission trips that either they went on or mission trips that they heard tell of. 
uh, which are either true or not true or uh just ridiculous and we're gonna do an episode coming up we're gonna get dinah Housefire on uh the the uh, monarch of messy missions <laughs> there's never been a better title for someone than that i was really surprised by how many missions trip stories we've been getting already i i feel like everybody went on missions trips except for me apparently really so that i mean that was like a really common thing it it was more common than I thought, but I'm in, I'm enjoying the stories and I'm excited to read them. If you do send us in anything that that we've called for stories on, continue to make sure you include your name and your pronouns so that we can you know, know that we're talking about you the way that you should be talked about. And if you want to use a different like a fake first name, or if you want us to just use your first name and not your last name, um. We understand that not everybody wants their information blasted from the rooftops. So do whatever makes you comfortable, but let us know so that we can make sure that's correct for you. Yeah. So who are we talking about first? Uh, Last time we talked about Anna's wedding to Josh. Regrettable in so many ways. We had Jill's wedding to Derek and we had... Who else do we have? We we had uh, Jessa and Ben. Yeah, who gave us cringe gold um, on on the TV show. And I do have a quick col- uh, correction from Hope. Uh, Hope says that Derek did reach out to Jim Bob to be his prayer partner. Really? So that's the answer to the question that I was asking. Oh, really? So Derek came. Okay. So I wonder if Derek was uh-huh. trying to get with one of the daughters or what his motivation was there. Interesting. Huh. But we're not talking about Jill and Derek today. Who are we talking about? Ginger and Jeremy Vuolo. And boy, there's there's a lot to talk about with this couple. So buckle up. Jeremy is the bad boy of Duggar in-laws. He's the bad boy. He's a bad boy in so many ways. He's from a non-ATI family. They are a Christian family, and his dad was a pastor when he was growing up. But Jeremy is a Calvinist. Dun, dun, dun. Won't somebody please think of the children? (laughs) (laughs) No, but if we're talking about, if we're ranking things that the fundies hate, would Calvinists go above or below the Catholics? Above the Catholics, but the fundies really hate the Catholics. It's, It's not that they don't hate Calvinists. It's just that they hate Catholics more. So this is a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. So so where do like Muslims go on the list? Are they like... Oh, that's a different list because the way that fundies hate heretics who are other types of Christian and the way they hate other people are totally different. Because with because with gay people, right, they, they pay lip service to not actually hating them because they're like, they'll say like, if they're like the quote unquote progressive ones, they'll say, hate the sin, love the sinner. But yeah. actually, like, that's not a great attitude either. But they'll just be like, oh, I'm involved. <laughs> but that's also fairly recent. I think that a lot of fundamentalists will say that sort of thing now because they feel like they have to. Back when I was a little kid, they would much more openly express hating gay people. The hate the sin, love the sinner bit is uh, super toxic, but it's it's a I wouldn't say it's a step forward because I wouldn't call that forward. It's a step of of concealing their true feelings that is that has come about in the last maybe 20 years. It's like trying to make their attitudes more socially acceptable, I think. Right. Yeah. Um, Back to Calvinism, though, the easiest way people ask me, what is it all the time? And it is a extremely complex 
doctrine. But the easiest way I can think of to explain it is that Calvinism is about who has the power in your relationship with God. So Baptists and other non-Calvinists, fundamentalist people, tend to believe that you have the power, like you choose to accept or reject Jesus. So I was I was taking a business law course recently, and they talk about contract law. Um, there has to be elements to make a legal contract, whether it's a verbal contract or a written contract. Uh, one of those elements is consideration. If I'm going to make a contract with you, Gabi, you have to know the terms and have the opportunity to consider it. And then there also has to be, it's either a unilateral contract or a bilateral contract. It's either if you say, yes, I will do this thing, that's unilateral, or a bilateral contract. If you do this thing, I will do that thing. When you when you think about Calvinism, you can kind of think of it in terms of contract law. Um, Calvinists believe that God has all of the power and it's like a more like a unilateral contract. The Baptists look at it like a bilateral contract. Jesus did the thing and then I choose to accept or reject. I choose heaven or hell for myself. Calvinists believe that God has the power. He knows who is and isn't going to accept. And because God knows everything, it has been set in stone in the mind of God since before the beginning of time. So if you are one of the ones who's been set in stone to get saved since before the beginning of time, you are going to accept Jesus. And if you're not, you're not. You don't really, like, yes, you have the choice, but God knows what choice you're going to make. And your choice has been written in the unchangeable mind of God since millennia before you were born. So do you really have the choice? You're just, it, Calvinists look at it more like you're just living out the life plan that God wrote for you. Okay, so Baptists are not Calvinists. Which denominations are Calvinist? Okay, so like, so this is, this I've, I've learned about this in researching for this episode, because Presbyterians are famously a, a very Calvinist denomination. But as I found out researching for this, there are Baptist Calvinists as well. And that kind of that blew my mind because I really thought that Baptistic ideology would not mesh with Calvinism. But there are churches who have actually found a way to make it work. Hmm. So I'm going to tell you about some of them as we get further into who Jeremy is and what his life path has kind of been. Okay. Yeah, so let's let's go. Let's talk about Ginger and Jeremy. Fun fact, the age gap between Jeremy and Ginger is almost exactly the same as the gap between me and Jonathan. Jeremy is a few months younger than Jonathan and Ginger is a few months younger than I am. And this this is interesting because it could bring up an issue of uh, like a power imbalance in their relationship. But fortunately, I don't think it does because she was uh, in her early 20s. She was like 2021 20, when they got together. If, if she had been 18 when they got together, this would have been a little bit on the creepy side for me. So he's like, what, six years older than her? Yes. That's not that weird. That's that's it, yeah. it's not. But I wouldn't I wouldn't be. OK, so this is a funny relationship where the man has all of the power. I wouldn't enjoy saying that between a 24-year-old man and an 18-year-old girl. No, you're right. I That's... feel like an 18-year-old girl is probably not ready to sign over ownership of her personhood. I don't you know I wouldn't want to make that choice at 18. No. Yeah. So Jeremy, the reason that he didn't get married at a more typical fundy age of like 22, 23, is that he played professional soccer for a while. So he went to college, played college soccer, and then played pro soccer. But eventually, he just didn't make the cut to stay in that career. So God called him 
to be a pastor. And that's how he met Ben Seewald and thereby the Duggars. Jeremy and Ginger recently wrote a book, and part of that book was about their love story and how they met. I think that Jeremy was attractive to Ginger because he had this past, but God saved him from this past. Uh, But Ginger was really unsure if she wanted to pursue a relationship with him. And she sort of got talked into pursuing this relationship, which is why I'm uh, not, not totally comfortable with that idea, but I'm, I would rather her be 21 getting kind of nudged or pushed into a relationship than if she was 18, I would be, I would be a lot less comfortable with it. Okay. So what, she's 21 and she's getting people saying, Hey, you, you need to go into this relationship with this 26, 27 year old. That's a bit weird. Yeah. So that specifically yeah. Jessa kind of tried to talk her into this relationship and that seems to be because ben and jeremy were friends and jessa wanted their little like group of couples to be friends all friends together this this seems kind of strange because like we talked about before though it's like jim bob is assembling a team of various christian denomination skill set in-laws you know like he's putting together like a starting five for his uh christian nba team Almost. So maybe does he think that at least one of them will be right and get into heaven? And then just in case he got it wrong, they can let him in the back door of heaven. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, he's like a reversed heavy of the milkman. Like Tevye has got to be talked into letting his his daughter marry the tailor because, you know, it's not an arranged marriage. Then he's got to be talked into letting his daughter marry like the communist guy who's been sent to the labor camp in Siberia. And then he's got to be talked into like, you know, letting his his daughter marry the Russian guy who isn't even Jewish. And like, that's where he draws the line. He's like a reverse Tevye, you know? No, I see it. I see it. (laughs) (laughs) I think the real answer here is that the more fundamentalist you are, the more you look at other people and think, hmm, they're just not quite as right as I am. And if Jim Bob were going to only let his daughters and sons marry people who were the same exact brand of ultra fundy, I don't think that there would have been. I mean, have you seen like ultra fundy teenage and young adult boys? Because I have. I think all of his grandchildren would also have ended up being double cousins and and, or he'd be related to everyone else in the group. I think if he had to wait for all IBLP in-laws, he wouldn't have 10 married kids. I mean, you'd all know who the Duggar grandkids were because they'd all be the ones with like 11 toes and like IBS and night blindness. (laughs) That would be the next generation, but (laughs) same energy. Yeah. So whatever the reason... Jim Bob allowed Jeremy to pursue Ginger. Jim Bob apparently turned Jeremy down the first time he wanted to date Ginger, and then Jeremy kept pushing, so Jim Bob finally said yes, and then Ginger turned him down once, and then Jeremy kept pushing, and then Ginger finally said yes. Uh, So this was a journey. In their book, Jeremy says uh, about about the time that Ginger originally turned him down, he does give some pretty concerning statements. He says, quote, had fallen victim to the ultimate bait and switch and Mm. another quote wasted half a year of my life and that that you know if i was mad because a partner broke up with me and that was how i felt i don't know if i'd put it in a book for the entire world to read um he talks about how angry he was and i get that anger is a valid emotion that a person might feel if they've been rejected by a potential romantic partner the way he worded it really gave me the creeps 
Yeah, you know what you do in that situation is you put on like Beyonce and like Yeah, well like anger is valid. Like it, it is okay. Like anger is an emotion that a lot of people feel if they get rejected by somebody they're trying to get with. That he immediately jumped to accusing her of bait and switch and wasting his time. That was unsettling, though. Yeah, that's a bit extreme, I think. I don't know. So the perception is that Jeremy really wanted to be married to a Duggar because his soccer career didn't work out and he wanted the fame. So if that's accurate, he probably wanted her to uh, keep the weird spelling of her name because it's good for SEO. Really? I mean, I imagine because if you type into Google J-I-N-G-E-R, who else are you going to get? Yeah, so so people think he wanted to be married to Ann Duggar for uh, PR reasons. Not Um, Ann, Ginger. (laughs) (laughs) Why? does does he seem like he's he's like just trying to get on on like a glory train or are are like the duggars like the best celebrity you can get if you're christian is that like the christian version of being like i want to get married to one of the kardashians or yes kind of really yeah the only bigger christian celebrities are like kirk cameron and his sister and people who are famous and also Christian, not famous people who are famous for being Christian. So if you want to stay within people who are are really fundamentalist, they're about the Duggars are about as famous as you can get. And Jeremy wants to be a pastor. He went to seminary and then he pastored the church, uh, this church in Laredo, Texas, for a while. And I wanted to find out if that church in Laredo is affiliated with the denomination or what's up with them. So I looked up the church, the church website and their extremely long statement of faith did not tell me, although it did make it abundantly clear that it is a Calvinist church in theology. By the way, most churches' statement of faith are like a couple pages, like 500 to 1,000 words, and then maybe they link the Baptist faith and message after the summary, which we talked about on last week's episode. The church that Jeremy used to pastor is the longest statement of faith section that I have ever seen. It's just long. Like how long? It uh, It was long enough that I would say it's at least a 20 to 30 minute read. So what you think they're trying to like maximize SEO? Just have no. I think they just there. have a lot of very specific doctrinal beliefs. Oh, okay. And they just want to make sure that if you get there, um, mm-hmm. so so talking about about denominations and like denominational differences. Jeremy's former church the the webpage told me so much about what they believe, but it didn't mention any kind of denominational leadership. That was interesting to me because Christians tend to be so tribal over their denomination. Even non-denominational churches will say, oh, yeah, we're kind of Baptist or we're kind of whatever. I, I wanted to see if I could find any any kind of name drop of a denomination. And that landed me on the webpage for the conference that Jeremy's former church hosted last year. They had like a Bible conference. And then I looked into the featured preachers for that conference and found their personal websites or their church websites. And that finally started leading me to some answers. One of them claimed to be, quote, Baptistic in theology uh, and didn't say anything about Calvinism on his website. The other Baptist. Yeah. So like a non-denominational church that that became non-denominational after being Baptist. That makes sense. The other one that I looked into, though, of those featured speakers 
pastors a church. So I looked up that church and that church is a Baptist church. It is like fill in the blank Baptist church of fill in the blank place, but it has a statement of faith that includes Calvinist buzzwords and teachings about election. Election is the Calvinist word for God choosing you as one of the people who is going to be saved. So that is how I learned that there can be churches with Baptist church in the name that are Calvinist, which was really interesting. And I feel like I'm going to have to dig into that at a later time. Huh. That's like the taco, the the Domino's Oreo dessert pizza. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) No. So what's his, his motivation to to marry into the Duggar family like does that like get him credibility because I, I mean if he's Calvinist and like not really even fundy does that mean that he wants to be like televangelist kind of and he wants to like get the reality TV audience and so he can get like his name out there and build his his TV audience for his church bingo that's what all the snarkers seem to think and I tend to agree hmm. What I want to get through to you is that there is now a whole group of celebrity pastors who aren't televangelists in the traditional sense. They don't have a church service that is on like TBN or a Christian television channel the way that people used to do and the way that some people still do. These pastors now instead, they have large churches in person and they have large social media followings. So televangelism has gone to social media in this new generation. And what they really get with a large number of social media followers are large groups of people who buy their books. And this group of pastors we haven't really touched on on this show yet. So it's not like Joel Austin or like uh, Daystar or... It's it's the next generation of that. So it's more like a John Piper or Ravi Zacharias. Okay. So, but it's still like the whole prosperity gospel thing. Yes, but it's not the focus of the preaching. So the focus of the preaching for like Joel Osteen or Jim Baker was like, give me money and then God will bless you. Jeremy and these people that he follows and tries to be like are not focused on that. They do seem to believe some parts of the prosperity gospel teaching, like give to God and be a good Christian and you'll have a lot of money, but it's not the focus of their preaching. Jeremy, however, has showed up on that Instagram account that shows pastors in obscenely expensive sneakers. (laughs) All preachers in sneakers. All right. I'm pretty I sure that I'm pretty sure he's been on that on that Instagram and if he hasn't then um he will be eventually. That's hilarious, man. I like I think it's hilarious, you know, the ugliest shoes are always the ones that are like the most expensive and you always see like you always see the people on preachers and sneakers wearing just the fucking ugliest shit on their feet. I'm like, you woke up this morning and decided to <laughs> befoul the house of God with those ugly ass shoes. See, I really <laughs> I love the idea of being a person who wears cool sneakers and has a whole bunch of them, but I cannot get past how ugly most of them are right now. And I just I can't do it. Have you? Se- I've sent you the steamed Vans Instagram account, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I follow. I follow them. Where it's the one where they paint uh, Simpsons. Uh, they paint Simpsons uh, images and memes onto shoes. Yeah, that's that's way cooler than having like the new Yeezy or something, man. Pretty soon you're going to be seeing uh, preachers on stage in like Crocs is like the the new thing because those are in now, I guess, because everything that was cringe in 2004 is suddenly cool in 2000. 
2022. I don't get it. I just I love the like the things that are in style right now. I love to look at them with my eyes and that I cannot get past putting them on my body. Okay, I can't. I can't do it. Yeah. So Ginger and Jeremy, (laughs) they were in Texas for a while at this church in Laredo, and then they moved to LA. In LA, Jeremy is studying at this place called the Master's Seminary, and they are trying very hard to do the whole Christian influencer thing. So are they doing like collaborative content with Bethany and Kristen, or are they just like small potatoes compared to anyone Duggar affiliated? I haven't seen them do uh, collaborative content with Girl Defined, but there are crossovers with their brand and other people's brands. They're on the level where other fundy or Christian influencers might mention them in a story or wear some of their merch. No, I'm I'm always weirded out by like influencer marketing to begin with. But like when you make it like influencer ministry marketing, that just it gets so much weirder. There are just so many ethical implications to that. Like I I get the the thing where it's like okay i'm trying i'm building up a following as like a great uh, uh pastor and you know i'm going to post clips of my sermons on instagram and then maybe someone will will buy my book that's like something i'm totally cool with but when it's like buy our merch that's a bit huh well you know who has been pictured wearing um ginger and jeremy's merch who Brittany dawn oh god yeah she looks like Shayna from uh from uh, uh Love is Blind. We have to talk about her eventually. We got to stay on track because I want to talk about the Master's Seminary. Yeah, tell me about this Master's Seminary. So Jeremy is currently a student. John MacArthur is the chancellor. He's another one of these celebrity pastors, and he pastors Grace Community Church in Sun Valley, California. Uh, MacArthur was raised Baptist and went to Bob Jones, where he may have been a classmate of Ned Flanders, I guess. He's really made a name for himself in the theology world, but he's gone head-to-head on theological issues with some other big names that you might know, namely Beth Moore. John MacArthur is strongly against women pastoring, preaching, or holding higher leadership positions in the church. Beth Moore is a Christian teacher who recently split from the Southern Baptist Convention because she felt that she was called to be a preacher and she couldn't reconcile that calling with what she had been taught. And we mostly stand her on this podcast. Okay, she doesn't have other beliefs that are too problematic for us to stand her. So I just, I don't know enough about her to fully put the stand stamp of approval on her, but I know that she stood up to Trump while she was still a Southern Baptist, and I know that she left the Southern Baptist Church over feminism. So I'm definitely a fan of her based on that. That's positive signs. We like to see that. Yeah, I see a lot. Of, and she's now um, Anglican. So generally- Church of England. Well, in England- but there was she so that's a that's generally a positive sign. There was also a tweet that I saw where she commented there was a, a tweet of a little kid, a video of a little kid dancing and having fun in church and kind of being a disruption. Um the kid was supposed to be in the choir, but they were like dancing and distracting and being really cute. And Beth Moore tweeted something like, if your church ever says they don't want you anymore because you're too much for them, reach out because I will find a place in my church for you, which made me cry. (laughs) Um, So what I do know about her, I like. And 
I want to research her more deeply for an episode eventually. But MacArthur, John MacArthur, Jeremy's pastor, publicly went head to head with Beth Moore over her claim that she's called to preach. And he also, uh, so he was misogynist towards her. And then he also publicly shamed a woman in his church because she did not stay with her husband, uh, her husband who was an abuser and a pedophile. Gross. Yeah, that's bad. MacArthur was also a prominent COVID denier, and he got in trouble for violating local health mandates during COVID, which also I'm not not a fan of. But there's there's good reason to think that Ginger and Jeremy probably did get vaccinated and just not tell people about it because they've gone to vax only shows and restaurants. So either they did or they got a fake card. Their beliefs are are awful, but I personally don't see them going so far as to get a fake card. Question. Yes. If so if you were raised in an environment, um because this woman um Beth Moore. Yeah, this so this woman, Beth Moore, she's been been called to preach. And she's split with her church over that. Do you feel that if you were raised in an environment where women were allowed to be called to preach, you know, even if it was rare, you that you would have also felt that? I think there's a difference between called to preach and called to pastor, because I know for a fact that I am not called to be the pastor of a congregation. I know in my heart that that is not for me. I love people. I do not want to pastor people. Called to preach, though like to be a traveling preacher evangelist, something like that. Yeah, I could have seen that call happening. So say, for instance, in the IFB, like if it was like considered rare, but like legitimate, like one in a thousand women, you know, like, do you think that people would have looked at you and would have said, oh, you know, the pastor David Carpenter's daughter, she really knows her stuff. She might be the one in a thousand. It's hard for me to answer that question because it's hard for me to imagine a world where that's the case. Because, okay, so so think about John MacArthur or Jeremy. These guys look so much more progressive than the IFB. Just as far as dress code and music and having lights in the church building and going to movies, Ginger wears pants. Uh, She wore a lovely spaghetti strap silk dress recently as a bridesmaid and a wedding. I don't know if she drinks, but she's hinted at drinking. Uh, She posted pictures at a bachelorette party where she had little um, earrings shaped like champagne bottles, which were actually pretty cute. The church that John MacArthur pastors has more relaxed rules on almost everything. So you look at it and you think, oh, they're fundy light, but they're not that severe. They're not that bad. But their actual doctrine, aside from the Calvinism bit, is still that there are spaces where men are allowed that women are not, um, that LGBT people are inherently sinful. MacArthur is still a major, major biblical literalist. So even in this church that seems so much more modern, there is not a space for women to be pastors or preachers or assert their doctrinal knowledge or their thoughts on scripture. So considering that this church that looks so much more progressive does not have that opportunity for women, it's impossible for me to imagine a world where the IFB allows that opportunity for women. This is kind of where I appreciate the intersectionality of our show so much because you live outside this Christian paradigm. But I can ask you to imagine a world where you as a man just could not do some things because of your gender. Like imagine if you just had these restrictions imposed on you. Like your mom is going to be able to tell you what to do until you have a wife, and then she will have the final say in all your decisions. Uh, Your wife can tell you how to dress. 
your wife will decide where you go to church and you will have membership in your church community, but you will not be qualified or allowed to do things that female members can do. Live with it. I just want to say that uh, your mom will tell you what to do until you have a wife is very Jewish. So <laughs> <laughs> looking for a beautiful Jewish woman to tell me what to do. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, um, no, but like it, it, it is it's like changing something foundational. Um it's like, uh, you know, changing the laws of physics. Like if you turned gravity off, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like, um, it's not just like, oh, people would float away. It's that the earth would also stop orbiting the sun. The sun would like stop the hydrogen fusion in the center of it because like the, the molecules would not be pulled together by the center of mass. You know, the, basically the universe would fall apart. It's not just like changing one thing. It's so foundational. It's like it's like changing everything. I mean, I have. Yeah, I was not able to find a clip or a quote of John MacArthur saying this, so I'm not 100 percent sure. But I have read that he does not allow that. He says that women in his church should not have their own bank accounts. <sighs> yeah. Um. Wow. So I don't I don't know how to answer. Nice. Yeah, that's that's a good way to not have an avenue to escape abuse. I don't like that. That's like, oh, no, yeah. that's that's not good. I will always, always teach Chuck and any other AFAB children that I have. You should always have enough money for a plane ticket and a couple nights in a hotel in an account that your partner does not have access to. It, it, it's just in case money. Oh, you may never need it, and you can always hope and be confident that you'll never need it, but you really should always have that on hand if you're able to in any way. So I don't, it's hard for me to conceptualize being in a church where women are fully affirmed, but I think that part of that is also that I don't know what it's like to be in a professional job where women are fully affirmed. Like even at the car dealership we worked at together, my my final take on Jeremy and Ginger is that he wants to be one of those guys, uh, one of those theolo- theology guys who writes books and sells a bunch of them. Like he wants to be known as a theologian and a thinker, and he definitely wants those expensive sneakers, like real bad. And their Instagram grid is modern and slick, and their lives, Jeremy and Ginger's lives, can look really good from the outside. But don't be taken in too far by that, because the church, the churches that Jeremy follows and wants to be like are not as progressive as they make themselves out to be. So we can move on to Joanna and Austin Forsyth. How many how many other kids do they have that are old enough to be getting married? Well, they all get married at like 18, 19. So we've got quite a few more. Okay, so we're at number I guess they have a lot of kids and we're this is like the fifth couple we've This is the about. fifth couple God, we've talked about and I think we have 10 to get to. Oh, we're halfway through. Okay. So Austin is someone who married into the Duggars having previous reality TV experience outside of 19 Kids and Counting Mm. because his family was featured on World's Strictest Parents. Did you ever see that show? No, but I have heard of it. So I remember watching it as a kid and usually I would kind of laugh at what they considered strict because it was not nearly as strict as being raised in the IFB. Really? So you would watch this one? Yeah, I would watch this um, when we went on vacation if like motel rooms had TV. Okay, and you'd be like, oh, wow, but they're allowed to uh, 
to have physical contact with somebody who is not the same gender as them. Wow. Like, or like I turn it on and world strict as parents. Oh, your daughter is wearing pants. You are not strict. Jim Bob must have like seen them on the like world strict as parents. Now that's something I can get on board with. Sign my daughter up. <laughs> so the Forsyths are actually a dyed in the wool IFB family. Um, I wasn't, I didn't find direct evidence for them being involved in the IBLP, but they're very IFB. The Forsyth family, Austin's parents, have a campground for fundies. And it's one of those IFB businesses that I've talked about before that caters to both IFB people and to other fundy and fundy light people. I looked up the website and there are pictures on the website of of women who are staying at the campground or from people who are staying at the campground wearing pants. The Forsyths themselves are IFB, but they have the business smarts to make sure they can attract other types of people as well. So. They're like top tier fundies. Though. They're like the ones that can actually make a living off of being fundy. Yes, but they're also willing to be in the room with people with different beliefs. At least if it's financially viable for them, they're willing to be in the room with people with different beliefs. And those are typically the kind of fundies. If you had to be around some type of fundy, these are the kind that you want to be around. It seems like if you're going to be successful, that's what you've kind of like you have to do. Like the successful ones, if you're like, if you're going to every single social interaction, just Bible bashing everyone and talking all this KJVO stuff. So, yeah, these are the fundies who start a conversation by saying, what do you do for a living? Not the fundies who start a conversation by saying, what church do you go to? Just assuming that you go to church or worse, the fundies that start a conversation by saying, do you go to Brother Smith's church in North Portland or Brother Jones church in Southeast? Because those people just assume that you are IFB and that you go to one of those two churches. So these guys, they're the fundies whose entire social circle doesn't entirely revolve around one church and one church only. Right. So they're still fundy, but they are not going to piss you off on purpose just because you're in a room with them. That being said, Austin's parents have hosted fundy supervillains Michael and Debbie Pearl at their family camp. So their loyalty does lie with the worst of the worst fundies. They're just able to tone it way down for the sake of business. Yeah. Noted child abuse advocates, uh, not anti-child abuse advocates, mind you, child abuse advocates, Michael and Debbie Pearl. Possibly responsible for the deaths of several children, Michael and Debbie Pearl. So the campground that I went to as a kid was kind of like this. The people who ran it were pretty fundy, like pretty IFB, but they had they would rent out the campground to youth groups from fundy light churches, uh, churches that weren't IFB at all, like Southern Baptist youth groups. They would do business with anybody who was kind of vaguely Christian. So when you went to these camps, would you like get to talk to the other kids that were there? Oh, no, we weren't there at the same time as other kids. We had an IFB only week booked out every year because, you know, we wouldn't want to have to hear contemporary Christian music or see people wearing Bermuda shorts. Stupid, sexy Bermuda shorts. (laughs) Bermuda, Jamaica. Ooh, I want to take it. What are Bermuda shorts? Uh, Loose shorts that end just above the knee. Like like dad shorts, like dad khaki shorts, what dads wear to Disneyland with the Hawaiian pattern shirt and the tucked in t- and like either that or like a tucked in T-shirt or tucked in polo with a giant cell phone clip on their belt and white New Balance shoes, those shorts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm telling you, man, my dad uses a cell phone belt clip. I'm predicting that the cell phone belt clip is going to be a fashion item sometime soon. Yeah, speaking of fashion that's coming back. No, like, I'm, I'm serious. The Zoomers have already laid claim to the fanny pack. 
and the Jeffrey Dahmer glasses. So it's only a matter of time before they appropriate the cell phone belt clip. Zoomer fashion, man. It's really something. So the Forsyths and the Duggars actually go way back. There's a mention of the campground way back on 19 Kids and Counting, and Joanna and Austin casually knew each other most of their lives. I think they are a pretty decent match as far as personality goes, because his family is all about like the campground and nature and stuff, and then Joanna was always known as the tomboy of the Duggar family. Hmm. So they do... Uh, hiking together. Their proposal was outdoorsy oriented. And now they do home renovations together. Are they going to get their own Christian home renovation show on TLC? Mm. Joy and Austin will probably not get a home makeover show because they've been very open about their political beliefs, like more so than most of the Duggars. Oh. And um, I, I don't think they have different political beliefs than most of the Duggars. I think they've just been more loose about letting people know what those beliefs are. They've also played really fast and loose with their kids' safety on social media. I feel like being vocally anti-maskers and leaving firearms around children and posting that on Instagram and several other fairly blatant safety issues are probably going to preclude them from getting their own reality TV show. Although Joe Rogan got paid $100 million and he says objectionable all the time. Yeah, but is another home reno show going to be worth that kind of money? Like, there are so many home reno shows already, and if there's a show, it has to have advertisers, and advertisers are starting to wise up to the idea that working with problematic people can really backfire on them unless their target audience is the kind of person who's going to follow a problematic person on social media. I have maybe, I, I don't usually like being cynical, but I have a cynical take on something, which is that outrage over things like this, like people just have a really short attention span. Like you remember I people are, were getting mad at Joe Rogan like a month ago or two months ago. And now it's just kind of like low level and everyone's just like, yeah, we don't like Joe Rogan, but we're not like going to. Yeah, nobody's like, I don't think people are boycotting Spotify anymore. No, they were boycotting Spotify for like a week and then like i get what you're saying but also people on this fundy snark page have been responsible for major loss of ads for a lot of fundy influencers so i think it depends on the product because obviously joe rogan has a massively popular show and the kind of products that are perfect for his fan base are probably not the same products that would want to advertise on hgtv you have to think for this like hypothetical chip and joanna jr show that you're talking about with joanna uh, Joanna and Austin, what is the Venn pro- the Venn diagram of products that work with HGTV and products that don't mind being associated with Joanna and Austin? Uh, let's see, uh, uh, Christian versions of the Kama Sutra, um, <laughs> <laughs> Christian subscription boxes. Yeah, there, there's uh, you have to find advertisers who are going to be okay with. Their ads being run on their show. Chick-fil-A. But would also... Yeah, Chick-fil-A would probably be fine. Uh, but would also want to advertise to HGT- HGTV or whoever was running Joanne and Austin's show. So I feel like you'd be limited on what advertisers you could get. So you're saying that a relatively small but dedicated group of people can just go in on somebody on the internet and get companies to not associate with their brand. Well, the Fundy Snark page isn't small if you think about it. They have about 150,000 subscribers, and a lot of these influencers are between around 35K like Bethany Beale or 450K like Brittany Dawn. So those are 
relatively that like that makes sense that 150,000 people would be able to get companies to cut off doing a deal with somebody who has 35,000 or 450,000 subscribers. Brittany Dawn has 450,000 subscribers because she like kind of hot and she posts pixing like yoga pants all the time. Uh no, she's on a modesty journey. <laughs> Worst kind of journey. <laughs> so how question, how long until leaving Eden podcast fans become so numerous that we can sway who does and doesn't get a TV series on HGTV? Because honestly, that's the dream. <laughs> I would say next year, conservatively. Next, okay, that's our goal: is get somebody canceled in the year twenty twenty three. Oh yeah, we're <laughs> okay. Uh, hopefully, not us. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I, let's not speak this in the words of Carissa Collins. Let's not speak death over this. <laughs> Speaking of people getting canceled, are there any Duggars who aren't worthy of getting canceled? Because, I mean, the counting on cancellation, it kind of took them out of the limelight. Like any of the younger people who maybe they haven't had their time to shine yet, they haven't had their like engagement special. So right now, I can't really think of any who don't deserve to be accountable for some behavior or other. But like I said last episode, I do hold out hope for Jill and Derek. I also think Jeremy is super cringy and he seems to be just leaning into that more and more. But Ginger could turn out to be a decent human. So Austin is one of those fundy husbands where you look at him and you wonder, what exactly do you do for work, though? (laughs) He's a very typical man for the IBLP, IBLP brand of fundamentalism, because in my experience in the IFB, men typically had just like regular jobs, architects and accountants and factory workers and car salesmen and plumbers. But IBLP men, as we've talked about, tend more towards self-employment, real estate in some form or another, that kind of thing. And I don't know if he fully supports the family on his income or how much Joy's family YouTube channel helps, or if Jim Bob also supports the family financially. So am I about to like get YouTube ads from like Jupiter Duggar telling me... <laughs> Like how I can generate passive income using real estate investments if I follow his channel and join his mentorship team. (laughs) No, because that information is only for people who are in the IBLP because that's how they make a bunch of money to have a bunch of children because they want to take over the world in 200 years. That's how he's going to make money. (laughs) (laughs) But regardless of Austin's nebulous employment status and work ethic... There was one thing that made me really feel much more positively about him, and that was his behavior during the sex pest trial. So we do know that Joanna was one of Josh's original victims, and Austin showed up to the trial. He sat separately from the family on several days. The vibe that I got was that he was not so much there to support the family, but he was there to listen and maybe get details about what happened to his wife when she was a child that he hadn't fully been filled in on. He looked mad leaving the trial. And to me, he portrayed a very appropriate reaction. A lot of the Duggar family members have been very stoic about this. And even in the original Megan Kelly interview, Jill and Jessa and Jim Bob and Michelle were downplaying what Josh did. The whole family, whether they take it seriously in real life or not, has historically very much downplayed his crimes and scandals and have just not portrayed the level of anger 
that we would hope to see from them. But Austin really appeared to be looking at this situation like a normal f***ing person would look at it. And that was nice to see. I mean, to me, at least, these fundamentalists have like an unimaginable worldview. I know to you and to a lot of our listeners, like you understand their worldview, you lived it. But like, they're not sociopaths. Like if you're here. Yes. I mean, some of them. Josh. Josh is like a pedophile, you know, but like not all of them are just like have like zero sense of morality and will just do whatever they want to do. Like, like if, if you're hearing from somebody that like, if you're married to somebody who, you know, somebody you love very much and they've, they've like suffered abuse and that abuse was covered up to protect the abuser. And then he eventually went on to abuse more people. Like you've got every right to be absolutely livid about that. Yeah. And that's something that Austin has showed us where other family members, looking at you, Jim Bob, I don't recall, Duggar, have fallen way short. I can't tell you what their actual emotions are about Josh, but they have not showed us the emotion that we would have liked to see. Yeah. So to me, that says that there is a kernel of decency about him that I wouldn't be so quick to ascribe to Jim Bob. Speaking of Jim Bob and his not recalling things, did we ever talk about the reason why he said, I don't recall when it came to this? I don't recall if we talked about it or not. It it wasn't because he didn't want to talk about it because like it came out like on the Megyn Kelly interview, right? right? Because the stuff that came out on the Megyn Kelly interview, if he had said exactly what he said on the Megyn Kelly interview in court, that would have been perjury because he lied through his teeth through that whole interview. So he would just say, I don't recall what I said on the interview. So Right. Because he could either be honest in court and show that he had really fudged the truth on the Megan Kelly interview. Fudge the truth is putting it lightly. Well, you know, I don't want to get sued for perjury just in case Jim Bob has any money left after defending his nasty pedophile son. You mean libel? Is that it? What did I say? You said perjury. I meant libel. He could either <clears throat> tell the truth in court and make it obvious that he had not told the full truth in the Megan Kelly interview, or he could say he didn't recall and preserve his dignity, I guess, if Jim Bob has any left. So that's what that's what he chose to do. Also, he was in the middle of running for Arkansas uh, State Senate. The worst time state Senate election of all time. Yeah, it was a special election, running for a special election uh, in Arkansas State Senate. I feel Senate. like he, sh- he could have just like sat that out and not run and then run again in yeah. two years and it would have been fine. Yeah, I don't know. I Maybe we'll never understand like... why he needed to do this. This is my thought. My thought is that he is just so f***ing delusional that he thought that his son was going to get off because the lawyers were like, I I mean, I'm sure that the lawyers were like, dude, take the plea deal. And he was like, no, I'll have my day in court. And he thought that his son was going to get off and then he was going to win the election. It would be the family's redemption or some I don't know. That's in my mind. That's what I think he, he had going through his head. I think we should actually go to break and then we should come back and talk about our next Duggar couple. Yeah, let's do that. 
Hey, Sadie here. If this is your first time listening to the Leaving Eden podcast, make sure you go back and check out episode 57. It's a primer episode for new listeners. That episode tells my personal story and gives you all the terms and information that you'll need to know going forward. Also, check out our cult true crime series, The First Family of Fundamentalism, so that you can get the whole cult story. If you like our show, you can support us by joining our Patreon, where we have extended and uncensored episodes, as well as other bonus content available. You can also join in the discussion in our Facebook group, That group is called Eden Exodus. Tell a friend, tell a family member, tell your worst enemy. The Leaving Eden podcast is a fully independent podcast, and we really appreciate your support. Now, back to the show. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. We're back. We're back from our break. We've talked about which Duggars have we talked about? I don't know. Uh, we have talked about, let me see. They all have J names. We've talked about Josh, Jill, Jessa, Ginger, and Joanna. And now we are moving on to Joseph. And Joseph. And then we've got Jeffrey, Jeffrey Dahmer Duggar. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Jeffrey Dahmer Duggar is the one that's in jail right now. Um, <laughs> you could give him the glasses, man. Yeah. <laughs> the next one in order is Joseph Joe Duggar. And this is where I start hating my life because most of the Duggars from here on out are younger than I am. I mean, really? Joanna, Joanna is younger than I am. But this is where we get into the ones that were like little kids when I was watching the show. Well, how do you think I feel? These people are all married and they're like 10 years younger than me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still out here very single. The youngest Duggar that's married is almost 10 years younger than both of us. Also, though, Ben, uh, Ben Seawald, he's younger than us. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I don't know. Do you really want to be in a Duggar marriage, though? Absolutely not. Okay. I didn't no. think so. So, so the next one in order is is uh, Joseph. I'm right between Jessa and Ginger. Actually, both of us are between Jessa and Ginger in Ducker age order. But this is where we get into the kids that were kids when I was watching 19 Kids and Counting. Joe is married to Kendra Caldwell Duggar, and the Caldwells are a return to more typical IFB families that married into the Duggar family. I feel like we're talking about like 
you know, like when a band is like, okay, here's their first album. Their first album was like super basic and then they got more explorative and then like they went in different directions and then they come out with an album that's like, oh, we're going back to our roots. Like after like 10, 15 years and they're like, we're, we're going back to our roots. We were listening back to our first album, how much we loved that music. So we're going back to do it. Like, I feel like that's what we have here. We're like, oh, it's a return to the more typical IFB families that they're marrying their kids off to. <laughs> okay, but if we're going by that, if we're going by that logic, if the Duggars are Kiss, then Jeremy is like the elder. <laughs> I don't know Kiss albums. Uh, well you definitely don't know that one it's it's well known for being like the most out there worst kiss record that does not sound like them okay have you seen spinal tap yes you know in spinal tap where they have that one record where they all dress up in druid robes and there's like a guy dressing dancing around stonehenge on stage yeah the jazz odyssey and the the that is that is a send-up of the elder Oh, <laughs> there's like that's what that's a parody of. I, I swear, some people are listening to this album, th- this episode. And they're like, ninety percent of the people listening to this episode are like, I didn't get that joke, and then ten percent are just like, yes, yes. <laughs> that joke was for um for David and Ray and <laughs> all sure the Ray other people. All, yeah, all the other people who found us from Permanent Waves, those are the people who got that joke. You know what? For another one for Ray, this one is like the return to the roots is like the Taylor Swift folklore of the Duggar marriages. Uh- <laughs> yes. And this one, this one is kind of the return to the roots marriage, Joe and Kendra. Except for that Taylor Swift folklore is actually like a good album. So, uh, Well, I mean, Joe and Kendra aren't the worst Duggar, Duggar couple, really. No, the worst Duggar couple is easily Josh and Anna uh, by a country mile. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's the problem. The bar is in hell for these people. <laughs> Austin, such a great husband. He got mad because his wife was abused. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, for IFB, like for for Fundy's man, and he he didn't blame her for getting abused. Yeah, that's or he, he's, cover for the abuser. That's like top tier, right? Major there. points. Hmm. So the Caldwells, Kendra's family. I know that they're IFB because they were sent out to start a church in Arkansas by a pretty well known IFB church in Virginia. Also, they were affiliated with BIMI, which is Baptist International Missions Incorporated, which is one of the biggest Baptist like IFB missions boards. Like that, LAM and FBMI are the three really big ones that I grew up knowing about. So I would be surprised if I hadn't crossed paths with the Caldwells at some point or another. I wasn't able to nail them down to any particular event that I've been through. But if they were in Virginia and then like, I I think I have visited their church in Virginia at some point. But if they were in Virginia and then they went to Arkansas, but they were like missionaries through BIMI, I wonder if they were on my prayer list at some point or if we attended some of the same camp meetings or youth conferences or something. I I wouldn't be surprised at all if we had crossed paths somewhere. I wasn't able to find a yes or no on if the Caldwells were also involved with the IBLP or the ATI. But I would lean towards I would lean towards I don't think so. So it seems like at least from what I've seen is that the Duggar boys are marrying like dyed in the wool fundies. Like the the boys get to marry the the fundy like dyed in the wool fundies, hardcore fundies. But the girls seem to be the ones that are like 
maybe I don't want to marry a fundy, like an extremely fundy man. I don't know. Like they're the ones going a bit further. So I'm wondering, is it easier if you are a man to find a fundy approved wife than it is if you are a woman to find a fundy approved husband? I don't think it's easier, but have you seen fundy girls compared to fundy boys? Like, how do you mean? Just fundy girls are expected to, there are very high expectations on them. And I think me and a lot of the AFAB people that I grew up with really strove to meet those expectations. I mean, we were expected to know etiquette and how to cook and how to sew and to be extremely useful and to be extremely as pretty as we possibly could be. I mean, we had to go do college classes on what colors complement our skin tone and what hairstyle would complement our face shape. And we were we were expected to not just be as physically attractive as, as we could be with whatever, you know, the Lord gave us, uh, but we were also expected to do all of this personal development stuff that would make us a useful and good fundy wife. Fundy boys aren't expected to do that much other than exist. Yeah, they're just like put on a suit when you go to church and Yeah, and and some fundy families did really push that kind of personal development on their boys and want them to be good public speakers and want them to look a certain way and want them to dress a certain way and want them to develop their skills in a ministry context and in like a handy around the house context. But a lot of fun- fundy families didn't. And I always felt like the girls that I grew up with in fundamentalism were just miles ahead of the average fundy boy. Fundy boys just, you know, and they're like 18. And an 18-year-old fundy girl is just a different species of human than an 18-year-old fundy boy. Just with maturity? Just Yeah, because, I mean, she's probably been taking care of children for like six or seven years. She, she's just... Yeah, and and she has got to be. She, there's all this pressure. I'm not saying it's a good thing, uh, or that an 18 year old funny girl is necessarily ready for a serious relationship or marriage, but there is so much pressure on her that there might not necessarily be on on a boy in the same situation or the same family. Yeah, and so the boys just aren't at that level. Like the boys can are like the top tier of fundy men, but like top tier of fundy men are like, I guess, good enough for like your average fundy women. Right. And that's why okay. I think a lot of the the women who have married into the Ducker family, uh, like Kendra, who we're just about to talk about, is really pretty. Kendra's, Kendra's really beautiful and she's um, not much of a thinker, bless her heart, but she's... <laughs> You know, she's been able to have like four children, three children and probably pregnant with another one in like the four years that they've been married. And she's been kind of a model IBLP wife. And the guy that married her is just Joe Duggar, (laughs) just like some Duggar. He's like the grocery store brand Duggar of all of like... I mean, to be fair, at this point in the Duggar family, there isn't much to differentiate one from the other. They all look the same. But I I think that's like, I think that's a a really good example of of how this is, because just because Joe is like a reasonably okay Duggar, he was able to marry Kendra, who is really pretty, pretty top tier as far as Fundy Wives go. So and I remember and also once they're once the daughters are married off, it's no longer Jim Bob's responsibility. 
I even remember hearing from people when I got out of the IFB, I didn't post a lot of pictures of me wearing pants until I had been out for a few years and was married to Jonathan. But even then, people were saying things like, well, as long as your husband says it's okay, it's okay. So you can like marry your daughters to whoever you want for like, and and, like any PR shenanigans that they get into, like, aren't your responsibility. So like, if they get married to a man who, I don't know, cyber bullies a transgender teenager over Twitter, then that's not your problem but if you if your son if your firstborn son for instance i don't know turns out to be a pedophile then that is your responsibility yeah except for it's it that's also not your responsibility if you're jim bob oh he's because jim you bob? tried to fix him with jesus you made him dig a lake yeah So there's also a possibility that Jim Bob saw his daughters as less valuable because they are daughters, not sons. So he may just not have cared as much about setting up a match for them. There's also the possibility that he couldn't set up great matches for them because they were molested by their sicko brother and therefore their virginity was called into question. Really? Unfortunately, yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. So if you're molested, you're like not as valuable in the circles that i grew up in it was not seen as the same level as if you like it's not a sin like if you consensually had sex with someone but there is still it is still a loss of virginity which is a social construct just saying sorry i felt the rage bubbling up (laughs) but there still is a permanent stain on your reputation and you would not still not be considered a virgin by many fundamentalist circles i we i think we talked about this in the the episode about complementarianism i think that was called like the dark side of marriage and a cult it still pisses me off every time we talk about it i just yeah (laughs) Yeah. i had like that like that blood pressure surge (laughs) i had to take a deep breath there no that was the red bull Who knows at this point? So Joe and Kendra, they met because he attended the church that Kendra's dad pastored in Arkansas. It was a pretty standard, fundy, like we met at church thing. Their proposal was on the cuter side. So at Joanna's wedding, which we're going to get to, or which we talked about earlier, she lined up like she was going to throw her bouquet, but then she turned around and handed it to Kendra and Joe was on one knee behind her. Hold up. So her wait, her sister got engaged at her wedding. Her brother and her sister-in-law got engaged at her wedding. That is almost unforgivable. So this may be a controversial statement, but I think it's cute. Proposing at someone else's wedding is almost always the rudest possible thing you can do. But if the bride is happy with it and if it's her idea, it can that can be an exception. Look, if I got married and somebody tried to pull that I would throw them out of my fucking wedding. Like, was she also wearing a white dress? No, I think she, well, she was a bridesmaid. But no, clearly Joseph asked Joanna and she was okay with it. It's Joanna and her husband's day. If they say it's okay, it's okay. I would be mad right along with you if this was some kind of surprise thing. But the bride and groom were were on board. I don't like, I feel like even asking is is a bad idea. Like I I wouldn't, like even asking would be a, a violation just because it's so wrong. See, yeah, but if Joanna knew that Joseph was about to propose and he, she was like, hey, do you want to do this cute thing at my wedding? Then that would be fine. I guess. I don't know. To me, you know what this feels like to me? This feels like Jim Bob and Michelle manufacturing more PR because they're just like, okay, we have one wedding that just happened. How do we get people pumped for the next next wedding like you know and stay in the public eye we get the, the proposal for the next wedding like on the heels of this wedding you know it did get a lot of press so i can't i can't get it i can't 
fault your theory there. Absolutely unacceptable. And anybody who would pull this move is 100% a psychopath. So Kendra was 19 when they got married. And then they had their first child before she turned 20. Here's a weird thing. Kendra's mom was actually pregnant with her youngest sibling at the same time that she was pregnant with her. Actually, I think with her second baby. I think Kendra and her mom were pregnant at the same time twice. Like such things have been, you know, this is another thing that the snarkers get super worked up over that to me, it's only weird because it's a fertility cult without that aspect. Like this is this is fine. Um, if it weirds you out, I respect it, but it's only weird because they're all in a fertility cult. If it weren't for that, this would be fine. The other point of interest about the Caldwell family is that they have become kind of secondary celebrities due to their involvement with the Duggars. Kendra's sister, Lauren, who looks exactly like her, like they could be twins, that's the one who was engaged to Titus Hall, who I knew through fine arts competition at SM Davis's church. And now that we've gotten so much deeper into the story of all of this, like you know who SM Davis is and maybe that connection in the spider web of fundamentalism makes more sense to you. Yes. Kendra's portrayal on the show was fairly bubbly and naive, but I've always gotten a pretty good vibe off of her. I don't dislike her. I think she's one of the better Duggar in-laws, but like we've been saying, that's a pretty low bar. Well, if she hasn't been cyberbullying transgender teenagers or getting featured on Preachers and Sneakers, or then... allegedly snarking on a bride's dress at the wedding. Oh, allegedly. Although she did get engaged at someone else's wedding, which I think is it worse to get engaged at someone else's wedding or snark on the bride's dress? I don't think that's a fair comparison because Joanna was okay with her getting engaged at her wedding. If you're asking what's worse, getting engaged at somebody's wedding without the bride's permission or snarking on someone's dress, it's definitely getting engaged at a wedding. Yeah, snarking on somebody's dress at their wedding is always wrong, no matter what. But like getting, getting engaged, engaged at somebody yeah. else's wedding is usually even more wrong than that. But there are exceptions yeah and th like this is seemingly one of the exceptions possibly maybe i don't know and also it wouldn't be kendra's fault anyway so if anything we'd have to blame joe for being an idiot and not understanding that like he's i mean he's a dugger fundy man he does although he's been to so many weddings he should probably know that you don't do that that or just maybe there's so many duggers that they just kind of get engaged you know wherever they fall just like wherever they happen to be at the time. <laughs> Imagine if you're Jim, Bob, and Michelle. Like, do, so do fundies like Jim, Bob, and Michelle, are they celebrating their kids' anniversaries as well as like their birthdays? Because if you got 20 birthdays and then you're going to have like 20 anniversary or 19 birthdays and then you're going to have 19 anniversaries. And then how many, like however many grandkids? Hang on. I don't keep track of it enough to know. That's like one every two, like every two weeks. I'm Googling how many grandkids do the Duggars have because I don't know. Uh, so 22 grandchildren with two on the way due April and July 22. So it'll be 24 grandchildren. So that's 19 children and uh, 24 grandchildren soon. How many? Plus Jim, Bob and Michelle's birth. Okay, hang on, hang on, hang on. We're going to do math so that Dinah can get her bingo square filled in. Well, it's 19 children plus Jim, Bob and Michelle's birthday. That's 21. That's 21 plus soon to be 24 grandchildren. 
So that's uh, 45, 45 birthdays. What's 365 divided by 45? 8.1. Yeah. So that is like a birthday like every week. Yeah, roughly. <laughs> but then, okay, but you take that 45 and then you add in there's t- 11 wedding anniversaries because 10 children plus Jim, Bob and Michelle Wade are there 12 now. Oh, yeah. So plus uh, 13 because there's a, or 12 anniversaries because there's 11 married Duggar children plus Jim, Bob and Michelle. So that's 58 holidays per year. You know how it would be a great way to keep track of all of these things? A Google spreadsheet like the Satanists use? No, a giant calendar in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. If only that space weren't taken up by something much, much worse. So with that, I'm ready to move on to the next Ducker couple. Uh, who's who's next? Uh, man, do you remember the episode of New Girl where Schmidt was trying to get into the club to meet Kanye West? And so he pretends to be one of Mitt Romney's sons. He's like, I'm Tug Romney. And everyone just goes along with it because it, like Tug Romney sounds like a real Rom. Everyone's just like, it sounds right. And like, who can keep track? I feel like we're getting into Tug Romney territory, dude. We're like, get, like... We're getting into territory where the Sun and TMZ can't correctly identify which one of them is showing up for the Josh Duggar pedophilia trial. Well, there's that. <laughs> and then there's also the complication that quite a few Duggars look a lot alike. Like, obviously, Jedediah and Jeremiah look fairly alike because they're fraternal twins. But John David also looks a lot like both of them. And then Jana, Jessa, and Jill looked enough alike that it can be pretty hard to tell the difference unless you're really familiar with who they are. Yeah, I think we're getting to the point where if it were a scripted TV show instead of reality TV, you could like recast half of them and nobody would notice. Or you could just have some of them play more than one character. Like the same actress could play Jessa and Jill with like different hair and makeup. And then the same actor could play Jedediah and Jeremiah, maybe John David too. This is like a reverse Olsen twin scenario. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But the couple that we're going to talk about now, which is Josiah and Lauren, they do differentiate themselves a little bit from the pack. Uh, Number one, they have a celebrity couple name, which is Siren, because Josiah has gone by Saya, probably to make sure that people know he's a different person from Joe who's a different Duggar, and also Joanna and Johanna. Yeah, it almost sounds like sire, like a king. Yeah, it kind of does. Or like you you do with a horse. Well, uh, speaking <laughs> of horses, <laughs> Lauren is from another IBLP family, the Swanson family, and she has a personality trait. What's that? And her personality trait is that she likes horses. Red flag. <laughs> I have known exactly one of those people who like horses that I love and trust. And that's Jess and, you know, Jess from podcast stuff. So I cannot, because of my love and respect for Jess, I cannot say that it's always a red flag, but she might just be the exception that proves the rule. Yes. No offense to anyone who listens to our show that is a horse enthusiast. We know that you're probably cool. I'm sure that there are others out there that are great people, but when is your entire personality, it can definitely be a red flag. Yeah, the one thing that I can't help notice about Josiah is that if he's going by Saya, he is bucking the J-Trend. That is like a major... There's one other Duggar who goes by a nickname that's not a J. Uh, Johanna goes by Hanny. Oh. Don't know what that means. Like, I don't know what it means that she chooses to go by a different nickname. It's interesting. Probably just so that her mom can keep them. Or if you're saying Joanna, it's so that you don't get confused with Joyanna. 
That's that's probably the, <laughs> the real answer. So Josiah and Lauren met when the Swanson family came to the Duggar house way back in early seasons of 19 Kids and Counting. So you can see Lauren on 19 Kids when she was like 11 or something. So is this a thing that like er- the Duggars just say to like a different Fundy family, come to our house and bring everybody? Just like if they don't already know them from so is it just like, hey, you're also a Fundy and you also have way too many children. Come to our giant house and we can all hang out with all of our children together. Well, they w- the Duggars would have known the Swansons from maybe from ATI IBLP seminars or something. But it, but yeah, the Duggars were really well known for just inviting everybody to come to their house. That's how Ginger's diary got stolen and put up for sale on eBay. It's also how the Rodriguez. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That happened. Um, it's also how the Rodriguez family parked their motorhome out front of the Duggars' house for a week and ate their food and used their laundry facilities and then probably got asked to leave. To be fair, having that many kids has got to make like laundry has got to be a, like an absolute nightmare. And if you live in a motorhome, it would be a supreme act of service to let a family like the Rodriguez use your laundry facilities and not like make them go to the laundromat. Yeah, it's it's really nice of the Duggars to let them do that. And from what I understand, the Rodriguez definitely overstepped boundaries and overstayed their welcome. Ugh. Big surprise there. But <laughs> that is I mean, very on brand for J-Rod. <laughs> I feel like it would cost the Rodriguez like $100 to go to a laundromat. So the Swansons <laughs> were family friends or family acquaintances maybe of the Duggars and Josiah and Lauren had been aware of each other's existence since childhood. They were regulars on Counting On um, after they got married. Lauren got pregnant. Also, we had a group member in our Facebook group who said that they were at Josiah and Lauren's wedding, which I thought was interesting. Really? Yeah. Um, Lauren got pregnant pretty much immediately after their wedding, but then she unfortunately had a miscarriage. She was 19 years old and she publicly mourned for her miscarriage that she had. She gave the baby a name, that sort of thing. And people really jumped on her for that, which was deeply unnecessary. People really cyberbullied a teenager for having a miscarriage? Yeah. It, what the f***? Well, it was, it was a really early miscarriage and people on the internet tend to not be kind when people grieve a lot or give names to babies that were miscarried really early in a pregnancy. Uh... I don't know if that would be the path. Like, if I went through that experience, I don't know if I would feel like I needed to give the baby a name. But I am absolutely not here for shaming anybody who does feel like that would help them heal. Especially somebody who is 19 years old and part of a fertility cult and is grieving because their worth as a person is heavily tied to their ability to produce children. Like, to me, this sounds like none of their f***ing business. The f***? Also, like, these people believe that life begins at conception, so, like, she fully believes that her child died. Yes. Like, that's, like, I I don't know. I remember when you were pregnant with Chuck, how anxious you were about miscarrying, and you would be freaking out because you're like, oh, I've got a blood test coming up, um, and that's going to tell me whether something's good or whether something's bad. I could tell how much it was Yeah, and and I think especially, I think a lot of people experience that more with a first child. That would would be my blood test. I did the NIPT, so I was finding out the sex of the fetus, and also I would have known if she had any genetic differences, that blood test rule 
ruled out Down syndrome, trisomies, Tay-Sachs, like any of that kind of thing. And it's it's super scary being pregnant because there is the possibility of there being a tiny human growing inside of you, but you have no way of checking in on that tiny human until you start to feel kicks. And like the 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 horror of it is that they could be healthy and fine in there, but there could also be an issue or they could even there could be something seriously wrong and you wouldn't know it's like schrodinger's fetus so it like it is scary and i don't know if that'll be as scary for me the next time but i'm definitely feel for her having that happen on her first pregnancy like that is really rough yeah why would what is the 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 reasoning behind getting mad about somebody publicly mourning a miscarriage do they just think it's extra or yeah, people said that she was being too dramatic, like miscarriages happen all the time. Why did she have to name a baby when she didn't even know what the sex was going to be? And I think that's just mean. But that's the whole miscarriages happen all the time. You can still be sad about it when it happens to you. Yeah, I mean, every everybody's dad dies eventually and nobody's True. telling me not to be sad about it. <laughs> <laughs> but ser- seriously, though, like like this happens to just about everybody at some point in their life. Nobody's trying to downplay how much this sucks for me. For some people, this a miscarriage can be like a real big disappointment and then they move on. But for some people, it's a real, really, really big deal. And it's something they really, truly grieve. And Lauren was literally a teenager. Are people also mad because naming a fetus is in line with the whole life begins a conception thing? Or is that not a factor so much? I don't think that was a factor, but I don't know for sure. I mean, Chuck had a name when I was 14 weeks pregnant. Anyway, uh, Lauren got pregnant again and had baby Bella. Poor poor Lauren. She had her baby Bella on the same day that the FBI raid at the car lot happened. So as the sex pest trial began to develop, Josiah and Lauren deleted almost all of the pictures on their public social media accounts and really withdrew from, from the public eye. A lot of people think she's pregnant again. There was a video from another Duggar gender reveal, and I think it's likely that she was pregnant at that time and has already given birth. But if they want to be out of the public eye, I think I want to respect the fact that they've taken their current life out of the public eye. You know what? Good call. I'm going to I'm going to just say that that's that's a good call. You you have a baby on the same day that your brother-in-law is being arrested and like indicted for possession of child sexual abuse material. Like that's like a sign from God. God mm-hmm. I can can you imagine what the Instagram comments would be doing like if they'd have posted like from a public Instagram the baby pictures? Yeah, cuz I've seen them on all the other Duggar social media. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, what, what would it be? It would have been all just like, oh, keep that one away from Josh. Like, that's what everyone would have been posting. Well, that's what I would have been thinking. I don't think I would have gone and said it, but I, that's what I would have been thinking if I saw a new Duggar baby picture. Like, on your day of joy in that you you have just ushered new life into this world and it is the bundle of, of love and it is having your heart outside of your body. Do you want to think about pedophilia? No, probably not. No, No, like, like, anyway, I I think they made a really good call. And I want to I'll talk about stuff that they did back when their lives were more public. But I'm not going to talk about like go into great detail of what they're doing now because I've taken that off the Internet. Yeah, I think the pregnancy speculation is super fair because she was in the gender reveal video for somebody else's baby and she was 
like that that was a public video and she would have known that that was a public video but i don't i don't want to go much further than that with the speculation because they do want to have a more private life and i think that's great also speculating that somebody looks pregnant is like i don't know that's just yeah a- but when it's a dugger <laughs> i don't know their identities are kind of pregnancy i tend to give people a little bit more of a pass <laughs> Are you in this? Fa- are you have you married into this family? Are you a member of this family? And are you be- between the ages of nineteen and forty? The chances of you being pregnant is greater than fifty percent. So-, so we can move on to somebody who probably isn't pregnant. Probably. I mean, not that we know of, and that that's uh, so John David Duggar and Abby Burnett. The next, the, so John David is actually the second oldest Duggar kid. Because it was Sex Pest and then the twins, John David and Jana. And of oh. course, we know that Jana is forever single because she's too busy watching and that one time not watching her younger siblings and nieces and nephews. So Meech and uh, Jimothy have never tried to, to get a courtship for her, for Jana. I have two competing theories on this one. It could be that they never tried because maybe Jana expressed to her dad that she wasn't really interested in a courtship or maybe she wasn't impressed, like I said earlier, with the selection of guys available. Maybe she's afraid of going through childbirth and so she's trying to actually trying not to court until she is too old to have children. There could be lots of reasons in the Fundy world. Also, I'm not saying that this is or isn't the case with Jana because we don't do sexuality speculation on our show. But if someone were asexual and grew up in that environment, saying that they want to stay home and take care of their younger siblings would be the easiest way for them to not have to get married. So Hmm. any of those could be the reason that the Duggars never tried to set up a courtship for Jana. Or what if you just didn't want to get married to a man? Yeah. And like, I'm not going to speculate on a particular person's sexuality, but that could certainly be a reason. So here's another question. It's like, so the Duggar daughters who have been able to get like the furthest distance away from the IBLP. They've been able to do that because they've married somebody who wasn't really super fundy and then they're not under Jim Bob's headship anymore. Maybe it's something to do with that. That's the other competing theory, It, it that it's not that Jana doesn't want to get married, but that Jim Bob needs her to keep up the household and watch all those children. And he can only make her do that as long as he, in the fundy sense, owns her. Oh, right. Because she's the oldest daughter. So she's got to be running things. Right. That's a lot of responsibility. Okay. Yeah. Lord knows he can't be bothered. Like, it's got to be like, he's got more important things to do. Like making arrangements for his pedophile son's house arrest or um, running sleazy used car lots or trying to unsuccessfully (laughs) run for state senate, despite the fact that he probably committed perjury. And he has spent the better part of two decades enabling his pedophile son to continue to abuse people. Yeah, he's very busy spending $80 per vote to dramatically lose the state senate race i forgot how atrocious those numbers were like has anybody in history taking a bigger l than jim bob in the senate race i bet mickey mouse got more votes than jim bob seriously (laughs) honestly i can't think of anybody who's taken a bigger l i hope putin will in ukraine but Jana's twin john david is married. He married Abby Burnett in 2018. Abby is one of the Duggar in-laws who's a little more interesting to me. How come? So the Burnett family is another large IBLP family. Abby is one of eight children. According to her 19 Kids and Counting fandom page, her Fundy Wiki pages, she attended Journey to the Heart, which is an IBLP program for teens. The IBLP has programs for teens who are being bad and need to be fixed. Scare quotes around all that. 
but it also has programs for teens who are being compliant and they want to draw them more into the cult. So just the name, what, Journey to the Heart, that sounds really culty. Yeah, it definitely is. But as far as I know, this is one of the ones that's geared more toward good, like meaning compliant kids. So, So what's interesting about her? What's interesting is that she earned her degree in nursing and has her LPN license. And that gets my attention for a couple reasons. First, she got this degree from a community college, so she would have had to wear pants, I assume, during that time. I've been tracking this shift to in the IVLP to mostly accepting pants over the last few years, trying to put together a theory. And we talked about this when there was a paparazzi picture that convinced me that that Michelle was wearing pants. This is interesting to me because the IFB churches that I know of are still very firmly against allowing women to wear pants. I know a lot of women that were raised IFB or even IFB light uh, that still don't at their churches. We always perceived the IBLP to be about a half step stricter than we were as IFB because we had strict dress rules, but we didn't have all the stuff about eye traps nearly as strictly as they did. And the IBLP girls had to wear mid-calf length skirts. And IFB girls, it was it was like just below the knee or a few inches below the knee. And that may not sound like a big deal to people who didn't live it, but it is a big deal for mobility and also for being able to shop in stores instead of making everything yourself. So that's why this shift is really interesting to me. And it gets my attention when an unmarried woman from one of these IBLP families is not only training for a career before getting married, but also wearing pants while doing it. See, you know that episode of The Office where Michael goes to all of the f- the former clients who like left for for other paper companies, and then he brings them gift baskets because he is convinced that it's like the personal relationship that is is the thing that's selling the paper. Yes, great episode. Yeah, uh, they they he drives the car into a lake. Then like all the clients tell him that it's the price and like convenience that is the most important. So then he like caves and pitches to them that they have the website coming soon. Then that's the thing that piques the client's attention. Yes. But then also really the whole like undercurrent of it is that the whole paper industry is in decline anyway and is struggling to stay relevant because of the switch to digital and online communications. There's the connection. Okay, yes, I definitely see the parallel there. See, that's what it feels like to me. They're trying to convince people that they're still relevant by bending their principles in ways that like compromise their core values. And then the whole point of the IBLP is that they don't compromise these core values and they don't let women wear pants. No, that's that's a a great, uh, great office connection there. I think what catches my attention on this topic pertaining to Abby is that she doesn't have the personality of a boat rocker. You don't look at her and think, oh, this person is going to shake up the Duggar family. But she does because she's got a real career or had one before she got married and she's not bending to the dress code rules. Abby quit her job as a nurse to plan her wedding to John David, but she was seen almost holding back tears on the show talking about it. It's interesting that she felt like she needed to quit her job, and it makes me halfway wonder if there was pressure from somewhere not to work since she was going to be married. Abby even said in interviews that she considered going back to work during the pandemic when nurses were needed even more than they always are, but she had a newborn daughter at the time, and she didn't want to risk bringing something home to the baby, so I can't blame her for not going back at that point. I think from the perspective of the outside world, Abby isn't so interesting as a person, but from the perspective of an IBLP person, she's got a lot of personality. They did something with ring pops during their wedding. Um, I 
didn't look hard enough to find out exactly what because I did not want to watch their whole wedding. Uh, they also wrote their own vows, which in the normal world is pretty common. But in the Fundy world, that's pretty wild. I just think it's funny how in the Fundy world, the thing that makes like a woman interesting is just the fact that she has a job like a regular person does. <laughs> that she had a job at one point. <laughs> she doesn't even have it anymore. At one point, I uh, received a W-2 form from my employer. That wasn't my dad or my father-in-law. <laughs> So speaking of interesting life choices, that brings us to our youngest married Duggar as of the time of recording. Oh, which one's this? So this is Justin Duggar, and he is married to Claire Spivy. I know Justin. He's the one that gave the thumbs up to the camera while coming out of his brother's trial for possession of child sex (laughs) abuse materials. That's the Duggar. Highly questionable decision. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, He's also the youngest Duggar to get married, according to my very professional calculations. Um, He and Claire Spivy Duggar actually got engaged a few weeks before he turned 18. And then they announced the engagement the day after his 18th birthday. And then they got married three months later. So he was 18, three months and some change. And then um, Claire, it was the day before Claire turned 20. So I'm not saying that the age gap is inappropriate, I don't I don't think 20 and 18 is too bad, but the idea of getting married at those ages just makes me physically uncomfortable. The idea of being 19 and getting engaged to a boy who is 17 is extremely weird to me. See, I feel like being 19 and dating someone who is a couple weeks from turning 18, it's it's suspicious, but also we know that they weren't having sex, so it isn't the worst thing in the world, question mark. But anyone getting it en- engaged at 17 just blows my mind. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think, I think it's sus, definitely sus, but it's weird to be 19 and to find a 17-year-old attractive from like a maturity standpoint. Uh, when I was 18, I had a crush on someone who was 17. Uh, it was like a couple months before he turned 18. But we were both in college and it was Hiles Anderson. So obviously not a sexual relationship in any way. The thing is, like, you're you're both in college at that point. Because like for me, I'm thinking 19 is sophomore in college, like end of freshman year, start of uh, sophomore year in college. 17 is senior in high school. When I was a sophomore in college, I can't imagine dating somebody who was still in high school. It's it's not even just like an age difference. It's like, a what is this person even ready for? Like what? Like, mm-hmm. you know, you know okay. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah I, I'm on the same page with you on that. It's not that like being 14 months older than somebody is fine and being 15 months older than somebody automatically makes it terrible it's it's you don't magically turn into a different person when you wake up on your 18th or 21st or 25th birthday but there's a difference in status of a high school student and someone who is not a high school student and there's a difference in status between somebody who is a legal adult and can like sign things and somebody who isn't there's not too much to say about claire mostly because she's 21 (laughs) but boy is there plenty to say about her mother hillary spivy so the Spivey family is an IBLP ATI family, and Hillary has gotten extremely attached to not only her teenage son-in-law, but several of his brothers as well. Is that weird? Or is, is it just that she wants to be close to the Duggars or like 
so that she can have proximity to the fame or is it like specifically the boys? It's specifically that... the boys. Oh. And it, it, it's not weird that she wants to be close to her son-in-law's family. It's weird. And it's not weird that she may or may not be a fame hunter because like that's a thing that people that's do. like everyone who's associated with these people. That's... Right. Like it is what it is. It's weird because this woman has, so it's either that she has zero self-awareness and zero knowledge of the outside world, or she's openly flirting with her son-in-law and his brothers on social media. It's one of those two things. She posts pictures of the Duggar boys. Like, if they use a coffee cup at her house, she posts about it. She comments on all of their posts. She's just very extra in a way that somebody who doesn't know how social media works would be. And she comments stuff like if the Duggar boy gets a new haircut and posts it on social media, she's right there in the comments with like, your haircut looks great. And a lot of random exclamation points and emojis. So you've never experienced this. Um, are like the the, the 8% of our listeners who are male will know what I'm talking about. But there there are older women who for some reason think that it's societally acceptable for them to make extremely inappropriate comments to men who are, are 20 or more years younger than them. I remember when I was in high school, like singing the choir, we would go and sing lots of gigs. And sometimes we like sing for like old ladies. Uh, that, and that would be like the audience would and like they'd come up to us afterwards. They'd be like their 60s. They come up to us afterwards and make really sexually aggressive comments to like the boys when we're like in high school. So like 16, 17 years old. Mm. Really like not OK. But like they think it's OK because we're there is there's like a bunch of us and we're just like young men. So like so many of them think that you can just say like whatever gross shit you want to say if it's generalized and kind of about all of them. Because hmm. if it's about kind of all of them, then it isn't really especially about any of them. You know what I'm saying? So I haven't experienced that, obviously, but I have seen that. And this is very much the fundy version of that. Hillary has given the impression of being overly involved in the middle unmarried Duggar boys' lives and also in Justin and Claire's relationship, which on one hand, this makes sense because they just outgrew needing babysitters like five years ago. But on the other hand, if you trust them to be grown up and get married, then like trust them to be grown up and get married. Uh, she was the matron of honor at the wedding, just like Jill Rodriguez was at Nuri's wedding. So is Hillary Spivy just like bootleg J-Rod then? And like J-Rod is bootleg Michelle. Hillary is like a more polished version of J-Rod, but she does share a lot of J-Rod's views from being deep into QAnon, Trump won BS, to defending Josh Duggar right up to the moment of being found guilty. So say in Pokemon terms, J-Rod is Squirtle, then she gains like experience, gains some like polish. She evolves into war turtle and then michelle is like your full-on blastoise only instead of water her cannon shoot babies oh (laughs) (laughs) so i think i think this next anecdote about hillary is kind of gonna be enable me to sum up how i feel about her hillary somehow wormed wormed her way into sitting next to anna duggar while the verdict was being read I don't know. Mm. It seems like this woman that Anna barely knows was probably not her first choice for support. 
And that's another J-Rod trait, like how J-Rod went to a funeral for several children and made a scene and made it about herself. Hillary worked her way up to the front row at the trial and made a big show of like being the person to walk Anna out and comfort her on her way to Jim Bob's SUV to get whisked away to who knows where she went after the trial. I can see how it's very possible that Hillary was trying to be kind to someone who's going through the worst day of their life, but she does not have the self-awareness to see that there are other people who could probably support Anna better. Wait, you know what Hillary makes me think of? What? Okay, so if you're CPR certified, you should know the Good Samaritan laws in your state. I was CPR certified as a lifeguard in Illinois almost 10 years ago. And I've reviewed the knowledge that I got from that training. And I've taken courses online that are like free review courses that don't recertify you. I've not been recertified. So I have the knowledge, but I don't have a license. So I know that under Good Samaritan laws, if I'm out somewhere and I see a person, a stranger who needs immediate life-saving medical attention, I'm more qualified to step in and try to help them than someone who does not know how to do CPR and has never taken a course. I also know that I am less qualified than someone who has a current civilian CPR license. So if if I'm in like I was I was in public recently, I saw somebody who had an emergency. I need to evaluate am I the most qualified person to step in? Because if there's somebody who has a current CPR license that I don't have, I need to defer to them and assist in any way I can by calling 911, by directing bystanders to make sure 911 can get through whatever it is that I need to do. But if a person who has a current CPR license is trying to help the situation and the EMTs show up, the person with a CPR license needs to defer to the EMTs when they show up because they are yet more qualified. There is a hierarchy of people who are more and less qualified to help. Now, if I see somebody having a medical emergency in public and there is no one else there, you better bet you better bet I'm going to step in and do what I can to help them. But if there's somebody more qualified and there probably is in a lot of scenarios, I'm going to defer to the person that's more qualified and assist. Hillary sitting with Anna and trying to comfort her at the trial is like the person who has CPR training and sees something go down and then gets in the way of the EMTs and tries to tell them how to do their job. But if you believe that God put you in that moment for a reason, like... Right. Mm. It's not that Hillary is the least qualified person there. She's just not the most qualified person there. And she does not have the concept of... Yes, I can probably be helpful, but there are people who can be more helpful. I should not get in their way. Maybe she thought that like when <clears throat> she and and uh, Anna were walking out of the the courthouse or when she was comforting Anna, people would say, "Oh, Hillary Spivy, she's so comforting to Anna. She must be really nice." Or Hillary Spivy, look how good a job she is doing to to comfort this woman. She must be really close to the Duggars. But really, people were like, what is Hillary Spivy doing here? Like, shouldn't Anna be like with her her sister or her her mother or, you know, or or somebody else? And Anna was also kind of abandoned. Like Jim Bob was there and Anna's brother-in-law, David Waller, was there. But her siblings were and her parents were noticeably absent, which I think wow. sucks for Anna. But also <sighs> Anna could have saved herself from this situation years ago. Maybe it's just one of those things where they're just like, we don't want to have anything to do with these these people and their like insane. Yeah, but that's your daughter. Community. 
I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I, I shame Anna's parents for not showing up or her more of her siblings for not showing up, but also shame on Anna for not removing herself from this situation five years ago when she had a chance, seven years ago when she had a chance. I don't know either that or she's like the situation is just so unbelievably toxic that they just had to remove themselves from it, like for their own health. Yeah, that's true. But also the Kellers allowed Josh Duggar to be a part of their son's wedding ceremony like two years ago. Oh, because remember, he was like the MC for Nathan and Nuri's re- uh, rehearsal dinner and reception. Right. I forgot. So about I don't that. like so I would yeah. like that to be the case. Like, oh, they're setting boundaries, but I don't buy it. Why? Why would you pick Josh Duggar to be the MC of your like? Is he out here booking like wedding DJ gigs too? Well, funny weddings don't have DJs. <laughs> I regret to inform you. DJ JD. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, God. So we, we got to get on to our final married Duggar. Um, this is actually not the final final married Duggar, but the most recent Duggar to get married got married um, less than a week before we're recording this episode. So we are we're going to skip the Wisman family for now and we'll record a special episode if anything crazy went down at the wedding. Uh, the fin- so the final married Duggar that we're going to talk about today is one of the twins, uh, Jedediah, who is married to Caitlin Nakatsu. His twin, Jeremiah, is the one who married Hannah Wisman like a week ago. And with Katie, we do get something new to, smart- to snark on. Praise be. Pray tell. So the Nakatsu family was not originally IBLP. They were like a regular normal family. Her parents divorced when she was a kid. And then sometime after that, her dad started getting into the IBLP and then later into ATI. Then her dad married her stepmother and went full on IBLP mode. He pulled Katie and her sister out of school and got them into homeschooling using the ATI curriculum. And did her like what did his her mom have to say about that? I haven't been able to find any public comments. I would have to assume that she wasn't super happy considering that she has continued to live as a non-ATI type person. What I think is really snarkable about Jed and Katie is their intense Handmaid's Tale vibes. Jed is the Duggar that is following in his father's footsteps in the family business of being a failed politician. And Katie seems like she was handpicked to be the perfect politician's wife. What's he going to do? Is he going to go to law school or like get an internship with, I don't know, some rep at the Arkansas State House? maybe then go to like work for one of these conservative think tanks so far he interned for some political campaigns and then he was an intern at the arkansas state house of reps and then in 2020 he ran for a state house seat in arkansas but lost to drumroll please a democratic woman candidate a democratic woman candidate so what what was the district was it close uh, is it a competitive district? I need details. District 89, and he lost by 12.6% of the vote. Holy sh**. That is an abysmal. Oh, God. Hold on. I just looked this up. This kid was born in December of 1998. Okay, He's 23 years old. He was 21 years old when he ran to be a, a state representative. Yeah, like I said, the family business of being a failed politician. He's got time. What like what on earth makes him think he's ready to be a state represent, like be a, a, in government? as a lawmaker at 21 years old i want to know he's a man from the iblp that is precisely what he thinks makes him ready to be a state representative this is the same conversation we had about ben being a pastor at his age you don't quite grasp the entitlement of these fundy men which is which is kind of sweet because <laughs> that's it's nice to see a man who's not entitled like these fundy men 
so he's apparently working for Jim Bob while waiting for another election to roll around so that he can try again. Okay, but Ben was like, Ben was trying to be a pastor at 25 or 26. This kid is trying to be an lawmaker at 21. Well, these people also think it's a great idea to choose someone to marry at 19 or 20 and expect that to be permanent. Well, okay. You know, I, I went to college. I went to Willamette University, which is in Salem, Oregon. Salem, Oregon is the Oregon is the capital of the state of Oregon. It is the university I went to is right across the street from the Oregon State Capitol building. And I knew people there. They were in the, the political science department. And so, yeah, like I know people now that are still in that field that I knew in college. And they were like interning for state reps and stuff and, and state senators when they were there just like as part of their education. And a lot of them still work in politics now. Like there are organizations like that are, are run by like the state party or, or the national party or whatever. They'll headhunt people who they think would be a good candidate. Um, somebody who they think oh, this person's appealing to voters. This person uh, has decent experience. This person has the uh, the viewpoints that we think are are are, are the ones that we're going to want to to run somebody with. Like I, yeah, I, I've seen House of Cards. Oh, I haven't seen House of Cards. Is it good? Um, well, the first season. I've seen the first season of the American one and the whole thing of the British one. Oh, interesting. I think it's good. I'll- I'll have to check it out. I do like a political drama, but like th- that's how they work. They, they'll like people who work for these parties. They'll try to headhunt somebody who seems like they would be a good candidate and who they think could win elections and who would be appealing to voters. I like I legitimately have to wonder what happened here because I cannot fathom any of these people uh, like any, any of these people working for like, I don't know, the, the Arkansas Republican Party. They're gonna look at a 21 year old kid who ostensibly had ACE or, or he had ATI homeschooling right think yes this kid is ready to go on the campaign trail this kid is ready to write laws that people in this that millions of people who live in this state are going to have to live by I don't know like either that or the state that the house district that he ran in is just super uncompetitive and the Democrats just walk every time they like win every time by 10 15 percent and the state Republican Party just does not give a who runs in that district because they know they're going to lose so they'll just be like yeah sure let's throw this fucking reality tv kid in there who has no idea what the fuck he's doing and and then he'll run his own campaign based on that pr so we don't have to allocate any money to it that's my that's what i think probably happened there. hold on just a second i want to see who has won the last few elections in arkansas arkansas state house district number 89 it's not like he lost by like two or three percent because like you lose by two or three percent. You're like, oh, yeah, it's like there was just a swing their way. Like it's competitive seat. But, it, there, you know, it's just not the way it was going this year. So in 2018, Megan Godfrey, who is the person who beat Jed Duggar, uh, also won in 2016. It was it went Republican in 2014. It went Republican in 2012. Really? It went Republican. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, fuck. so he lost like. So he lost to an incumbent, but it's generally been a Republican county. So she came in on the blue wave when everyone was fucking pissed at Donald Trump in 2018. And then she won as an incumbent in 2020. Oh, 12, yeah, but 12.6% of the vote is still pretty bad. That, that's not as big a catastrophe as spending $80 per vote like Jim Bob did. But holy sh- That is a a horrible result. So he lost the same district that the Republicans held uh, four years earlier by more than 10%. Holy f***. 
that yeah. is that is a catastrophe. That so is it, it is. Wow. But I here's what I actually want to get to because okay, yes, the whole IBLP man <laughs> running for government thing is already strong Handmaid's Tale vibes, but there is way more. And I want to back up my statement about that because it gets way weirder. Making a uh, Handmaid's Tale comparison, even if this is the IBLP we're talking about, but still making a Handmaid's Tale comparison is is quite a comparison to make. So what really creeped me out about this couple is that Jed and Katie made engagement vows to each other. And I know that this episode is long already, but I cannot pass up the opportunity to read them to you. That's fine. Most of this episode is is Patreon content. We've just been going off. Oh, wait, so you didn't say wedding vows. You said no, engagement vows. Yes, I did. Is that a thing in Fundyland? Nope. It is just a Jed and Katie thing. Just cosplaying Handmaid's Tale up in here. It it, mm. it is creepy. It is literally so creepy. Is that a thing they do in Handmaid's Tale? No, it's the wording of what they wrote. That is oh. so very Handmaid's Tale. Mm. And also she kind of looks like Serena Joy. So it's a whole thing. Do you want me to read uh, Jed's engagement vow so that you can hear it appropriately in a man's voice? Oh, that would that would be great. But I need you to do it in character. Character. Okay, what what kind of character am I embodying? A failed okay. politician? Yeah, future. Um, <clears throat> so you're thinking like future first IBLP IBLP president. You are special because of being a man. Uh, your Y chromosome makes you so much better than the person that you're proposing to. You are going to redeem your family from your brother's scandals. You're better and smarter than anyone else, and you're totally qualified to be a senator at 21. I'm going to use my Ben Shapiro voice. How about that? <laughs> All right, fair, fair enough. Go ahead. I put the I put the vows in our notes God, for you. I, I hate him so much. He's. Uh, I don't know if I've said this before. Ben Shapiro. My take on him is that he is a Jewish man who had his foreskin reattached so that he would be let in at the religious rights country club. I didn't know they were checking at the door, but I agree with the sentiment. <laughs> <laughs> Caitlin Nakatsu, in the presence of God and our family and friends, I pledge to you as my future wife. I have prepared my works without and made it fit for myself in the field and now prepare a home for us to live. Until that time, I pledge to sustain your good reputation by staying within the sight of others when we are together. I pledge to keep my way pure and honor you with my eyes, my mind, and my heart. I'll protect you by having no intimate physical contact until that day when God allows. I will come. Ooh. I will come receive you as my wife. <laughs> I didn't expect that to sound so much like Jed. <laughs> Is that what he sounds like? If you had done that with like a slight Southern accent, you would have just gotten his voice. Caitlin the Katsu, in the presence of God and our family and friends, I pledge to you, my future wife, I have prepared. Is that is that it? That's pretty much it. <laughs> And, and I don't know what Katie sounds like, so I'm just going to do it in my Baptist girl voice. Um, If my Baptist girl voice is triggering to you, heads up. <laughs> Jedediah Duggar, I receive your pledge to marry, and when the Lord calls, I will be your wife. Just as the church is set apart for Christ, I am now set apart for you. I pledge myself to you, forsaking all others. And just as the Lord calls his bride, the church, to make herself ready, I pledge to make myself ready for the day that God shall bring us together as one. Until that day, I promise to redeem the time well by preparing for the high calling of being a noble wife, and if it be the Lord's will, a godly mother someday. I pledge to you, Jed, to guard and strengthen my testimony of Christ 
and to be above reproach in my thoughts, words, and actions, that you might be honored at the city gates. As we await our Lord's return with patience and firm standing, I pledge to you that I will also wait patiently on the Lord and upon you. (laughs) I am fully at a loss for words here. All I can see is Fred and Serena Waterford. I just, I just, all it's all I can see. And she looks like, like Jed is nowhere near as handsome as Fred. Um, but, but Katie really looks like Serena. And I just want to know how on earth she grew up in a normal household most of her life. And then she took this turn. Imagine being in public school and then like, you know, looking into the future and seeing yourself making these weird engagement vows i'm so thoroughly creeped out by this entire thing that it somehow seems fine that these people went on to take a pregnancy test in a walmart bathroom and then post a video of the event all over the internet wait what they took the video of her taking uh like the pregnant like peeing on the stick and everything no because that's immodest duh okay good they they made a video in the car literally 10 minutes later though fresh pee stick in hand and jed is like driving and looking into the camera i i need a timeline of events so they they go to walmart to buy the test they don't drive home and take the test and then announce it like that like a fucking normal people they take the test in the walmart bathroom instead of waiting 20 minutes they didn't even like what? post the update immediately they just took a video so that they could include it in their in their eventual post when they did announce that they were pregnant like a few weeks later Oh, I don't know why it was so urgent that they had to take a video in the car. <laughs> so wait, so you take I'm trying to so they take the test right away because I get OK, here's they take the test right away because they got to know. Yes, but they're not going to post the video right away. It's not like, yo, I'm having my wife take a pregnancy test on the live stream. We're going on IG live. She's in, in the other. She's we're in this Walmart bathroom. She's in the stall peeing on the stick. You can hear it right now. <laughs> Totally, I'm totally gonna do that next time I get pregnant. God, if you do, that is the, the the most accursed thing that you could do, and I fully believe that you deserve the bad place for that. Patreon um, content, or at least the gulag. I don't know. <laughs> no, but like, like I'm trying to think of the so. You know what? Say you're just like, I got to know and you got to do it right away. You can't make, wait 20 minutes. Sure. Whatever. If you're not going to post the video right away, go home first and at least make it seem like you didn't take the pregnancy <laughs> test in the Walmart bathroom. Take the vi- like if you're going to include the test in the video, do it at home so people will assume okay, they took that test, then they immediately like threw it away and then they like pureled the out of their hands for, you know, wash their hands so they wouldn't have like pee on them, you know? Yeah, yeah. This is... I just, so here's the thought. If you're in a fertility cult and you're like early 20s, statistically, you're the most fertile time of your life and you're having tons of unprotected sex, maybe try just buying a whole bunch of pregnancy tests on amazon you can get like 50 tests for 20 dollars on amazon do you know how expensive those things are if you just buy one at walmart the brand she was using they're like eight dollars are those the good ones i mean they will tell you a little bit earlier but like a couple days earlier maybe depending on your personal hormone levels and whether you guessed everything right but why 
would you spend $8 at Walmart when you could just buy a bunch and then you can take your test at home and then you can test whether you're trying to get pregnant or not. You can take a test any time, like whenever you need that peace of mind. So if she's taking like the $8, like the, the more sensitive ones, but she's taking that test in a Walmart bathroom. They're, like you don't even know whose pee it is that like that that is setting it off. Okay, there's like a, a general mist of like like that that could be like seriously that could that could be giving you like a false positive. Like you, you <laughs> probably this is a, not. This is, <laughs> this is a Walmart bathroom we're talking about in Arkansas. I, yeah, I would like, I would think that's probably not how pregnancy <laughs> tests work. Okay, um, well. <laughs> Maybe she, I don't know, maybe she charted out her cycle on the calendar in the kitchen and that's how she knew she was late and they just weren't prepared. Yeah, so. but like, she was having symptoms for like two weeks. Yeah. I don't know why you would not just order a bunch on Amazon and then you'll have them. Like, I get that there are those Juno situations. Like, there are reasons to take, like, both positive and negative to take a pregnancy test in a Walmart bathroom. Like, I get, like, if you're in a bad situation at home and it's not safe for you to take a pregnancy test there, whether it's positive or negative, and no matter which outcome you're hoping for, I get that there are reasons to take a test in a Walmart bathroom. If you've been struggling with infertility for a while and you have been putting off taking a test because you're worried about what the outcome might be, that would make maybe a reason to take a test in a Walmart bathroom. But y'all are married, young, none of that applies to you, you have a home, there's no excuse. <laughs> there's no excuse in this scenario. And I'm telling you, they made this vlog while driving home and Jed was not driving safely. He was looking at the camera the entire time. Man, maybe he he's just like, get me out of this, like... Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> Jesus, take the wheel. No. Oh, so God. for me, the creepy engagement vows definitely trump everything else. But the Walmart bathroom pregnancy test and subsequent vlog on the way home is also just an interesting life choice. So I don't know. I feel like the 50 tests for $20, that's going to get you through like two months in the IBLP. Let's be real. Like that's that's not enough pregnancy tests. You're going to need more. So so what's better, buying 50 tests for $400, buying them $8 a time at Walmart? Just buy like just buy the pack that has like 100 tests in it and then give 10 to every married Duggar sibling. But think about this. They can't they don't drink. They don't smoke. So you don't need to know if you're pregnant. So you know not to do those things. That's true. But I feel like you would still want to know. I guess. I, I, don't, I, don't, know. I, don't, I don't know. I just do not understand the the like I understand that there are reasons why you might need to take a pregnancy test when you are not at your home or that you might need to know right this minute. I just don't think those reasons apply to Jed and Katie at all. I don't know how you can hope to have a political career if you're posting your Walmart bathroom pregnancy tests on social media like that is an extremely unlikable and weird and gross thing like if i were running against this guy i would call him piss hands dugger that's what i would i would just be like well, piss hands is... like look at this shit like I mean, he's already born with the Duggar last name, so Ugh, i don't know already... how that political career is gonna go yeah 
So, uh, so Ooh. we have skipped over um, Hannah Wisman, who, like I said, just married into the Duggar family this week. We'll tell if there's anything I dig up interesting about her family, I'll tell you about it on a later episode. These are this has been a compilation of many other people's research and some thoughts of my own about all of the people who previously to this week married into the Duggar family. All of the grown adults who looked in the mirror one morning and said, it's a great day to become a Duggar in-law. Yeah, all of the people who decided, I want Jim Bob Duggar as my father-in-law for God knows what reason. Oh, man, this has been a long episode. This has been a good episode. I guarantee you there's like, I don't know how long the Patreon cut of this episode is going to be. There's like easily 30 minutes of bonus content on the Patreon. So if you want to listen to us just i don't know like uh, saying some extremely out of pocket things <laughs> you can subscribe to our patreon at patreon.com slash leaving eden podcast where we have the extended version of this episode that i i think it's gonna be funny but i think a lot of things are funny that other people don't <laughs> that other people think are like f-ing gross <laughs> so i i really want to <laughs> I hope y'all enjoyed this episode as much as we enjoyed making it. I do seriously want to thank the community at the Duggar Snark subreddit and also the Fundy Snark Uncensored subreddit. Like I said at the top of this whole thing, this wasn't this was very little new research on my part. A lot of this, what I was trying to do is put together an episode that compiles everything in one place so you can get a catch up on all of these different people. But I wouldn't have been able to do that without all of the anonymous and less anonymous snarkers over at those pages. So unlike certain other people, I certainly want to give credit where credit is due. And I I hope that uh, all of y'all and everybody else enjoyed this episode. Yeah, I enjoyed this episode. Um, And if you want to follow our podcast on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, it is at Leaving Eden Podcast. And on Twitter, it is at Leaving Eden Pod. Send us your missions, stories, uh, any wild that happened to you while you were on a missions trip or any wild testimonies that you heard from somebody who came back from a missions trip we're gonna get dinah Housefire on here our favorite ex-fundy drag performer from the duggars home state of arkansas that's gonna be a great time uh and all the three of us together we are going to listen to or read out what happened to you on missions trips or the stories that you heard from missions trips and then either laugh about it or commiserate with you about it uh depending on the nature of your story so that's going to be really fun sadie do you want to plug your social media yeah you can follow me on instagram at sadie carpenter music you can follow me on twitter at hell yes sadie or on tiktok at sadie carpenter one and you can follow me on facebook instagram and twitter at g-a-v-r-i-e-l-h-a-c-o-h-e-n thank you so much for tuning into this episode uh you guys have a great day bye-bye
Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.